Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Welcome to part two of our podcast, In Search of an Effective Literacy Program. And now on with the show. I actually think the Australian curriculum is really pedagogically strong. It connects. Yep. It connects. There's a clear connection with the three strands. Yep. And it talks clearly about we're needing students to choose and use strategies and, you know, be, um, you know, strong readers and writers Mm. and that those things are connected. And so I suppose when we say who do we go to, I would say that's a good point. The Australian curriculum is one of our go-tos. Yeah. I can't just read one box of it. (laughs) I can't just read one sentence of it. Mm. I Mm. need to see it as a whole. Yeah. And that's what the Australian curriculum asks us to do. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily talk about um, a workshop model, does it, for instance? No, but it does talk about you know, clear demonstrations yep. Yep. of what, you know, that we would demonstrate to mm-hmm. students what they are doing, that they would, like, that we're leading them towards opportunities to apply what they know and and here's the thing like we're kind of I don't know if we're sort of missing a big chunk of things here mm. because I feel mm. like I'm going to something that I was going to say sort of right at the end okay. well, go on. but mm. um, but to say like when I read in the the literacy progressions and I look into what, we want our students to be doing as readers and writers across their years of schooling. And then I go into the appendix and I look at what kinds of texts and the features we are helping them to work with. Like, it is, might not be a workshop model, but they're the books. That's the kind of complexity of text that I need to be bringing to my students and have my classrooms full of texts Mm. like that Mm. that they can work with and read Mm. because to be a successful reader, they need to be able to manage complex texts independently. So I suppose for me, I see a workshop model over the Australian curriculum because I clearly see that it is all about, it's us modelling and showing what they need but giving them time to be doing it 
because that's the achievement standards are mm. that, that but, they are doing those things. But maybe you seeing all that clearly is through your, obviously through your experience as yeah. a practitioner in the classroom, yeah. trying out things over many years, yeah. learning about a workshop model and how that can work yeah. as well. And then... And, yep. and maybe it's not just, like when I, early in my teaching career, I didn't call it a workshop model. No, no. But I knew that I needed to be teaching... With explicit... With intent yep. mm-hmm. and explicitly, and that I also needed to give students time to practice yeah, that yeah. with me giving them feedback on how they were doing with that. Yep. Because if I didn't give them real-time feedback on it, how did they know whether they were on the right track and how did I know? Yep. So that I could even say, oh, I've noticed, now we need more of this. So it was really or, the, the Sharon shop model. <laughs> <laughs> or shall we say the Shaz shop model, model. because <laughs> that has um, yep, Shaz yep. is yes definitely bit, the, of, a, bit um, of a nickname there yes yep. yeah um, so anyway one of the I suppose one of the um, articles that we have been reading lately mm. that has probably um, one of our go to people one of our go to people and um, if you've listened to any of the other podcasts especially the podcast on Every Child Every Day, yeah, whatever number that one was, but um, that'll be in the show notes, mm-hmm. um, that um, Every Child Every Day, Richard Allington and Rachel Gabriel talk about what every child needs every, every day. day. Yep. And they are um, Every Child Chooses or Reads Something He or She Chooses. They read with accuracy they read with understanding. They have the opportunity to talk with peers about their reading and writing. They listen to a fluent adult reading and they write about something personally meaningful. So each of those things every day for every child. So Rachel Gabriel has written an article this year, 2021, now will come out in two publications, Mm -hmm. one in um, Educational Leadership magazine, which is through ASCD. the ASCD, and then uh, she also has an article uh, through the International Literacy Association in the Reading Research Quarterly. Um, and the one in the educational leadership, she has called the Sciences of Reading Instruction. And so what she says here is that reading instruction isn't an all-or-nothing approach. And so she really, through this article, starts talking about these things that we like to talk about, is this building of a repertoire. Mm -hmm. And she labels the teacher fairly and squarely as the principal investigator. I love that. I adore that. Yeah. Because that's our profession. Yeah. We are, as teachers, with the children in our classroom, and we know, don't we, as teachers, that every year we, we teach according to those in front of us, based on their needs. We pace it at their speed. We pace it faster some years because of who we have with us. 
some years we start at different starting points mm. than other years. And then what's more, we change year levels that we teach. So when we say so it can't be all one way, we're sort of saying it's not a sledgehammer here. You know, every yeah. child has to do this program. Yeah. Um, it We're saying you're much more um, attuning into what every child in your class needs. Yes, And yes. then you're adapting and designing and creating. Yeah, and noticing. But and, using the best of the resources using, you've got around yes, you. Yes, Which may include bits of a program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From what we would say, your toolkit. Your t- from yeah. your literacy toolkit. Absolutely. So this building a toolkit, building this repertoire is, we think, one of the critical pieces yeah. for, um, for us as teachers and what we feel programs can take away from us. Yeah, I love her next bit, um, saying the wrong program or combination of approaches can waste time, limit and minimise student opportunity for learning. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, and I would agree with that because if we aren't thinking about, if we're not keeping students at the centre and thinking about, hmm, what do they need? Like how long do we go with something before we go, do you know, this isn't working Mm. or this is working for this child, this child and this child, but it's not working Mm. for these or because they either don't have an entry point or because they passed this. Mm. And you they see mean, it in the, the, the engagement of the children. You see it in the results of the children. There's a whole lot of things you can notice. I have noticed as a teacher these things Yeah, for yeah. these children. Yeah, yes. And so as principal investigator, yeah. we are I've, – I've started using this as a phrase, but like we are the real-time teaching yeah. or the real-time teachers – if it's something that comes to us as a script, I don't believe that's real-time teaching. So as teachers, we really, I feel like we want to be chasing down the real-time teaching. Right now, what have I noticed my students need? Yeah. Can I read the next one? Yeah, I was going to go, just go back one, Phil, because yeah. I think that one was important too, yeah. that instructional yeah. decisions matter tremendously. Oh, yes, and teacher making those instructional yes. decisions. and so that real-time teaching that yeah. I'm talking about, yeah. that real-time instructional decisions matter tremendously. Yeah. So the next one is, in every approach there is a simple, unique logic, the non-negotiables. Yeah, so I love these. Students need developmentally appropriate, precise, explicit instruction about every strand of literacy, not just one strand, but every yeah. strand. And when we talk strands of literacy, we are talking about their reading, viewing, writing, speaking, listening. Yep. Word work. Word work. Instruction that includes clear modelling, plenty of practice and specific feedback on that practice. So she is saying that that in every approach there is that logic. Yeah, yeah. So then we need to think about... When we see a program. Yeah, when we see it. So is it developmentally appropriate? Yeah. So these are kind of like the critiquing questions. Mm. 
and and I like this list. So is it developmentally appropriate? And I like, and I like the te- the teacher as principal investigator is asking these questions. Yes. Yep. Is it precise? Yep. And I love how Di Snowball reminds us mm-hmm. that sometimes it's saying things that aren't actually true mm. Mm. when it comes to maybe a spelling rule or mm. um, something like that, that we have to think, like, is this precise? Is mm. it accurate? And once again, go back to the Australian curriculum Yes. to see as your guiding piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, explicit instruction. And so explicit meaning, is it clear enough to explain and for you to demonstrate what that looks like in action? Because if you're not showing it in action, as a reader would use it or as a writer would use it, then it's not explicit. Mm -hmm. If it's just on the page or if it's Mm -hmm. just a, a PowerPoint that says you add this at the end of words when, I need to show how I use that as reader or writer. Like I need to be always linking. So in every strand of literacy. In every strand. Means Mm. that we are saying, oh, I'm using this as a a good reader will do this. A good writer will do this. Or a good reader and writer Mm. (laughs) will use this in this way. Um, And so then she goes on to say, does it include does it include clear modelling? And that's what always, for me, comes down to the I need to be the one doing the modelling. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm the one. Through the rich, tantalising literature. Yeah, but I'm the teacher. I'm yep. the principal investigator here who mm. knows exactly what to model. Yeah. Yep. So I can look at examples of people modelling something Mm-hmm. And critique that to say, is that what is that what my children need, or do they need this? So I think you know this is this is us continuing to be the learner, and and we're not saying any of this to say, you know, like you need to sit and critique everything, and you know, so now you know to do a lesson, you're going to critique something. You know, even before you begin, these are global things that we're talking about, not to do it at every point. But I think to have the kinds of questions that we can ask ourselves so that we get more critical Mm. of Mm. what we are using or what we are learning from and getting better doing doing the hard work to get ourselves being that more precise, on-target teacher with that rich repertoire of things that we can use. Mm. So instruction that includes clear modelling, plenty of practice. Plenty of practice isn't the teacher doing plenty of practice, it's the students doing plenty of practice. Mm. So that's the other question. With what they've seen modelled. In this resource, in this program, in this approach... Do children get to do plenty of practice? Yep. Yep. Because if they don't, what are they doing with all that wonderful teaching that they're getting? Um, and are they getting feedback on that practice? Yep. yep. So core, that, mm, core that, things, aren't they? Yes. Mm. Yeah. So that right there for me is 
some really critical, like they are critical questions. Mm. That's, mm. that's the list, one tight list there. Is it developmentally appropriate? Is it precise? Is it explicit across the strands and not just in isolation? Mm-hmm. Does it include clear modelling? Is there opportunity for plenty of practice? And am I giving my students specific feedback on that practice? And then she has some general principles. She says reading and writing more is better than reading and writing less. Yeah. So if we ever wonder, hmm, there seems to be quite a bit of reading and writing expected here. Mm-hmm. More is better than less. less. Yeah. So if we're thinking, you know, and if there is no opportunity for reading and writing, we so have to get it in there. And that goes with the every day, every child principles, yes, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clearer specific teaching and feedback is better than vague teaching and feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And I catch myself, I remember, <laughs> you know, soon after that critiquing, that wasn't just about critiquing programs, that was also about critiquing myself. Mm. And I think that's what this is now heading towards. Mm. is let's critique ourselves as well. Yep. And let's think about, mm, am I giving, is my teaching and feedback vague or is it specific? And I, I can, it's almost like I could give you the date and the day mm. of those times where I thought, where I could hear myself just being so vague when I was mm. trying to explain something to my students. Mm. Mm. And I can look, you know, looking at them and going, they've got no idea what I'm trying to say here. And in fact, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. And th- isn't that where uh, people, some people argue, isn't that where some people then argue, well, because you're not being explicit, we think you should just go onto a program to be more explicit. Uh, so how do I get better as a teacher? Yeah. How, I'm, how I'm do just, I get better? Yeah. Just asking the questions. Yeah. No, no. I and mean, in fact, um, mm. good friend, our good friend Giselle here, that many of you will mm. know, you know, asked that very question too about how do we, like, if we, so in Australia we have the Australian like the professional teaching standards. Yep. Yep. You know, how are we getting better? How are we getting more specific and less vague? <laughs> Mm. As teachers, because that's what we that's we're in the business of, mm. and that's where it comes to do i do I need a program to help me, or do I need some professional learning? Yeah, yep. because how will you ever get better than that program? Yes, that's, yeah, that's the question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, like, yeah, we'll all be the same. Yeah, and is it appropriate? And is it precise? And is it mm. and is it um, giving specific feedback mm. on that practice? Mm. I I actually, well, yeah, there probably is one program that was that scripted where it did come down to what feedback I was giving, mm. but it was so narrow. Mm. It was, and it wasn't a program I used in my classroom, but a program that we had to work with, um, where I had to work in a, in a school that mm. was um, – using that, where we had to absolutely adjust. You were the coach or the co- yes, consultant. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. But 
we looked at that critically and said, wow, that is such narrow feedback. The last one, code-focused instruction is important, learning about letter sounds, patterns and word structures. Right, so I want you to actually emphasise that word. So code-focused instruction, Mm -hmm. so that learning about letter sounds, patterns and word structure is important and meaning-focused instruction. So vocabulary, text structure, discourse, so just talking about metacognition, genre and communication patterns is also important. But their successful integration is most important. That's the key. Mm -hmm. So it's the integration of, so we need code, focused instruction, We also need meaning-focused instruction, but they don't happen in isolation of each other at different times. We need to bring that together to show how we effectively use the two concurrently. And there's our uh, timeless tea together. Together, yes. It's why designing instruction is important not this is not available through programs yeah so we design well but there may be we can't say that there's not a program Mm -hmm. out there that doesn't do that but we have to that's this is a critical question this is critiquing again if we are looking at um and and i suppose being critical of programs approaches you know, resources and critical of ourselves. Are we, this is one of the principles, are we, number one, teaching both, Mm -hmm. code-focused and meaning-focused, and are we integrating them? Yep, that's the bigger question. That's the question we want to ask. Yep. So um, we could go through some of the things that you talked about in the last podcast. All right, so I suppose this is where um, if you haven't listened to the last uh, to that podcast, I'll just quickly go through mm. some of the things that I'd just said off the top of my head, basically. Ad-libbing. Um, ad-libbing. I've got them in front of me now. So let me see what I think about those now. Um, I, I remember, so one of them was, be all over the Australian curriculum. Know it. It is rich and it builds on the same elements every year. Well, apart from we've got some things that drop off after reception one, two, like the phonological awareness, you know, the Australian curriculum, it is rich. It is, it is designed for integration. So if we really truly know the Australian curriculum, it is asking us, to integrate that. And I suppose that's why I'm saying be all over the Australian curriculum. I might know it just a little bit too much. <laughs> you know, it's like I can tell you exactly word for word sometimes what it says in places. But it's worth knowing and actually I'm going to say um, that that's one of the feedback pieces from the whole Be Brave suite this year. There, there really wasn't anyone that didn't say that was a critical piece of what we did this year 
was that we were working with that Australian curriculum in an integrated way all the time and that we we don't and I suppose this is sometimes where if we are working with a program or a resource that might say it is Australian curriculum linked oh yes yep but in what way? Mm, that's the question. In what way is it linked and what part of the curriculum is it attending to? Mm-hmm. How is it connecting? So then I'm going back to Gabriel's, Rachel Gabriel's general principles again. Has it got, if it's reading, has it got code focused and meaning focused and is it integrated? Mm. Um, so this piece about being all over the Australian curriculum um, is is knowing it, is knowing it gives us a good guide for teaching what it is and, and it's progressive. Our um, progressions let us know how students generally progress mm. through mm. All those elements of reading and viewing and of writing and speaking and listening. So you, if you take over the planning of what you're going to do yourself using that curriculum, yeah, you plan with joy. You do. And with heart, I and think. Heart. Yep. Because, and I say with heart, mm. because it's got literature at its core. Yeah. Yep. And if literature is at its core, and I'd like to think that literature, it goes... Language, literature, literacy, possibly for a reason. That literature is a central part of that. It's got to be. Mm. We are trying to create amazing readers and writers. Yeah. And I think the curriculum can really help us make great planning and programming decisions about that. So, yes, we can plan off the curriculum and... And when you read the curriculum, this is what I often get people to look at. I want, I want you to sit with the curriculum sometime and actually look at your grade level, how active it is. It's full of students understanding, using, creating, um, responding, having preferences – these are all active things to be doing. Using. Did I say that one? If I didn't, there it is. If I did, I'm saying it again. Because that's what we're driving down is students using the actions of readers and writers. So the Australian curriculum just gives us a whole lot of things that we are so look in the aims, look in the rationale, look in the content descriptors, look in the achievement standards, look in the progressions. It is full of what we are wanting our students to actually be as readers and writers. Now, um, one of my other useful tips, my Shaz tips, we could say was we explain and demonstrate what good readers and writers do. You know, if we are teaching explicitly, that's what we are doing. We are explaining and demonstrating. And we might call that a mini lesson. And we call it a mini lesson for good reason. Because 
we only need it to be as long as gives us the opportunity to show and explain how a reader or writer uses this so that they can practice using it, so that they can absolutely launch into the practice of it, you know, through that lovely, you know, and we're making it quite clear, good readers, good writers, what they do. And then, you know, we want them to do that with us during that time. But I think sometimes this is where some programs can extend that explicit teaching into a forever. It seems to go on. Well, it could take up the whole literacy block. It may take up the whole time. Which means the children don't get any practice in their reading and writing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In their real reading and writing. Yes. And a mini lesson can not only give us an opportunity to explain and demonstrate, but it actually gives our students right there and then the opportunity to have a little with us practice. They're already, because they're seeing it in action, they're actually getting to practice what they're going to be doing as the reader or writer. So that's a question I would want to ask of programs too or an approach. Is there the opportunity for teacher to do a short, sharp explanation, demonstration with the children doing that with you in a real reading or writing situation? Mm. And then are they being launched off into practice? Because I think sometimes the programs want to have um, the children very directed in what they're doing and they're just by the nature of the writing of a program, it doesn't allow... Um, the students to then have their own choice of what they're doing. Yeah, Is that right? yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Thanks, Phil. That's you've brought in some key words there, like choice, and about their own work. So I'm just going to give an example that we actually used last week. We might have noticed mm. that our students aren't doing, um, you know, haven't really been editing their work well, and editing actually appears on the curriculum from foundation. That students are involved in foundation, they're involved with the teacher in editing their writing. And on from there, we are, um, uh, you know, they are taking on more and more responsibility for editing. So this came up the other day because we were talking about... What if we're seeing they're not using punctuation well? And so what we might then default to, or not default to, that's the wrong word, we might look for a resource that's then going to teach them how to use punctuation. Mm-hmm. Number one, what punctuation? What do my students need? <laughs> Which punctuation? Do they need full stops? Do they need um, conversation marks? What do they need? Now, Richard, year six, seven, he teaches and he said, I'm just going to say, you give children something that they choose to write about, their use of punctuation is quite different. It's used so much better. Mm. And he said, Mm. so there's that principle. Allington's children write something personally meaningful. Yep, very important. So... So that's about choice yep. and about 
purpose and meaningfulness. Mm. Now, we could also say, well, all right, but they're not using punctuation well in their writing. So, and we see them not using, let's say they're not using um, commas well. That's a common one. Or they're not using actually more sophisticated punctuation. So then we might look for a resource that's going to give us or a worksheet that's going to give us a whole lot of sentences where they need to put in the punctuation. They need to be working, they need to be learning where to put punctuation in their own writing. That's where it's going to make sense. That's where it's, so I can teach what I want to teach, explain and demonstrate is how the comma works. Not edit something that needs commas. I want a good mini lesson. Let me notice, I've got to look at what are their confusions? What don't they know about commas? It might be I'm not seeing any commas in work. So that's letting me know, well, they don't know the function of a comma. So let me go and find out about how commas work then. Not from a worksheet, but how do commas work? What did Rachel Gabriel say about being um, being specific rather than vague? Mm. I can be vague by going, and I bet this is one of those that I did do. I can, you know, mm. first mm. years out teaching, I'm going, you know, you just got to put commas in. Like, I don't see commas in your work. You know, commas. Mm. When you seem to take a bit of a pause, it, pop a comma in. Mm. Like, that's vague. Mm. How do I use commas? So let me teach some of the strategies they need to know about when to use a comma. Oh, that's a key word, strategies, Sharon. You know, what are the strategies you use for using commas? Yeah, and what am I noticing? You know, I use a comma after I have a phrase that begins with particular words. You know, so I have to know, or when I'm breaking it up into, and I might call it, well, you know, you've got a subordinate clause and then something might have to happen here or da-da-da-da. Now, you've got to explain and demonstrate and know what it is that the decision that the writer is making and the strategy a writer is using to know when to use the commas Mm. in their correct places. Mm. And so that's not by breaking things down into a whole lot of fix these in a worksheet. That's about mini lesson, explaining, demonstrating, showing how a master writer a does master it. writer will use it so that I can go back to either work and work. So something I've written and work out where should have I put a comma? Where did a comma belong? Mm, mm. And I didn't put it in. Mm -hmm. But now I've got a way to know, oh, that's where a comma would go. Mm. So I don't have to fix everything. If I just find one spot where it should go, now I know, Mm. now I've got an opportunity to know how to choose and use that. We've come to the end of part two of our podcast. Stay tuned for next week when we tackle part three. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, 
please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower, and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.